Welcome to this podcast for the Women in Sport and Exercise Academic Network. I am your host, Dr. Jackie Forsyth, and also co-founder of the network, the purpose of which is to grow, strengthen, and promote research on women in sport and exercise with the ultimate goal of optimizing women's athletic success and their participation. With these podcasts, we wish to bring you information from leading academics, experts, and practitioners involved in research or work with women in sport and exercise, so providing you with advice and support for your research and activities, as well as advice on exercise and performance improvement for women. Please follow this podcast for future updates. In this podcast, I talk with Emma Brockwell, who is a specialist pelvic health physiotherapist. She has co-authored the Returning to Running Postnatal Guidelines. So we talk about the key pieces of advice from these guidelines. Emma is the co-presenter of the podcast At Your Cervix and has co-founded the Athletic Female course aimed at healthcare, fitness and medical professionals who work with female athletes, as well as writing a book called Why Did No One Tell Me? How to Protect heal and nurture your body through motherhood. We talk about these and how she's managed to create an impact with such activities, as well as gaps in the research and her future research related projects. Oh, so welcome Emma to this podcast. So can I just ask you first of all, in your role as a pelvic specialist physiotherapist, that's right, yeah, I've said that right, yeah? I mean, I'll take anything. I'm a <laughs> pelvic health physiotherapist. Um, we used to be women's health physios, but now okay. we're pelvic health because we treat men and women. But to be clear, I right. treat women. So in that capacity, and specifically with athletes, what are the common conditions that you would see most often or that you would treat? Yeah. So first of all, I guess um, lots of people listening might not know what a pelvic health physio is. So we are physiotherapists who treat men and women as I say who suffer with pelvic floor dysfunction if you like so pelvic floor dysfunction might include urinary incontinence urinary urgency fecal incontinence and fecal urgency unfortunately for women pelvic organ prolapse so that's where the bladder the bowel or the uterus are descending in towards the vagina Um, but we also treat pelvic pain women who suffer from painful sex, which might be called dyspareunia. We treat a plethora of conditions and these conditions affect women, if we're just focusing on women, throughout their their lives. So unfortunately, children suffer from pelvic floor dysfunction, particularly bedwetting and urinary incontinence, all the way through pregnancy, uh, postnatally, and then into the perimenopause and and postmenopausal years. So I think we're really essential throughout a woman's life. When it comes to athletes, we're really just starting to dip into that world now. For for far too long, pelvic health, as as my amazing colleague and friend Gronia Donnelly would say, pelvic health has been a hidden health, really. So we're musculoskeletal physiotherapists, but we just happen to deal with quite a, a central part of the body, the pelvis and the muscles and fascia and tissue above and below. But when you train as a physio you don't tend to really be told too much about the pelvic floor and all the tissue around that area and we're now really starting to realize that 
it's a key component of musculoskeletal health. And so that's why for a long time it's been omitted from the world of sport, because we haven't considered that pelvic floors are essential potentially for helping athletes. And unfortunately, we do see athletes suffering from urinary incontinence, fecal incontinence, pelvic organ prolapse, all of these conditions I've just mentioned a, a moment ago, athletes suffer from them. And so for too long now, I think we've thought that pelvic health conditions only affect women who have had children or who are postmenopausal, but that's just not the case. And like any muscle and tissue supporting that area, if you don't train it and use it functionally and rehab it when there's a dysfunction there, of course, we're going to see certain issues occur. So I think as the years go on or the months go on, I hope we're going to see more and more of us enter the world of sport to help our female athletes. I think it's I think it's essential. And was this one of the reasons that prompted you to write those guidelines for runners about returning to running in the perinatal period? Can you tell me a little bit about that and some of the key advice you gave as part of those guidelines? Yeah, so we, Gronio and I, along with Tom Goom, who is a musculoskeletal physiotherapist, you know what, we just did this, these guidelines as a conversation starter. Both Gronio and I have had children, both of us run, both, well, I certainly did, um, I can't speak for Gronio, but I, I certainly have pelvic floor issues after having my children. And as a physio at the time, I was just, you know, a musculoskeletal physio. I hadn't particularly specialised in pelvic health necessarily. Um, and I just suddenly thought to myself, hang on a minute, I don't actually know how to get back to running without still having these pelvic floor issues and without suffering from the pain that I was suffering from. And then luckily, the world of social media exists. Um, it has many disadvantages, but a huge advantage is the, the ability to network and connect. And Gronio and I got talking about this whole, if you like, in the world of research and certainly in the way of guidance, that there isn't any guidance out there to guide a woman back to any sport postnatally. So then we thought, right, let's get Tom involved because he's a running specialist. And so we created these guidelines, a white paper, if you like, based really on anecdotal evidence and expert opinion, sprinkled with a little bit of evidence as well, because we wanted to better help women return to running postnatally without having any of the issues, for example, that I'd been suffering with, like urinary incontinence and urgency. And we realised to get a woman back to running, we're not just thinking about their pelvic health, we've also got to think about their musculoskeletal health, their strength, we've got to think about the woman as a whole. So these guidelines we wrote, goodness, must four or five years ago now, and there was clearly a hunger for this information because they kind of exploded if, in, in our world, um, and I think, I think they lots of clinicians fitness professionals coaches have been really keen for this information and so they offered some guidance for those particular clinicians and fitness professionals to guide a woman back to running more safely and effectively because for too long now we've said right see your GP at six weeks and at six weeks get that green tick in the box to go back to any form of exercise but you've just had a baby and your body's changed dramatically. So why aren't we rehabbing women more effectively? And that's effectively what the guidance was for, to rehab women more effectively so that we can future-proof their pelvic health, their physical health, but also ensure that they're running comfortably after they've had a baby, which doesn't always happen for lots of women. 
But what about for an athlete? Because I can imagine there might be some resistance to the advice you're giving, especially for somebody who's a paid athlete, a professional athlete. They might even be dropped from the team, from the squad, whatever they're doing. They might lose sponsorship. They might feel obliged to get back to that activity, that sport as quickly as possible. What do you do in those circumstances? Is there a quick fix? Is there anybody that's particularly reluctant? And what do you then do in order to try and get them back even quicker, if you like? So one of the biggest issues I think we had with the guidance is that we'd said, as a general, we're thinking about returning women back to running when they don't have any pelvic floor issues, i.e. urinary incontinence, they don't have any pain, within around 12 weeks, because that allows for the tissues to heal, for the body to strengthen, and for the majority of women, that's a fairly a good time to return to running. But this is a guidance. So we've got to think about the individual. And I think that kind of got missed the first time that the guidelines came out. Everyone put this big 12 weeks, you can't return until you're 12 weeks. Well, the reality is athletes are a different species. And, you know, lots of those athletes, their bodies are honed in a different way. A lot of them are working out and exercising during the pregnancy which all women, if they have no contraindications, should be doing, um, but they probably don't do it to the same level as an athlete. And so we have to think about the athlete as an individual and weigh up the benefits and risks of returning them to their sport at the time that they need to. So it's not just a case of thinking, right, well, you're leaking urine, you can't return to run. We have to think about every component, the pressures that are on you, the sponsorship deals that are there. And we have to find a way of how help facilitate that in a safe safer way as possible for the athlete but in a way that doesn't risk them losing those sorts of deals as well the really exciting thing is that thanks to the likes of Alison Felix and Alicia Montana and all of these incredible postnatal mothers that policies are changing and sponsors are becoming more aware and understanding that having a baby is if you like not dissimilar to returning to sport post-injury and a lot more coaches and teams are respectful of the fact that women's bodies do need time to get back to their sport and they're seeing that if that happens effectively there's less chance of injury later on down the road so it's about having that discussion with the whole team the coaches the sponsors if they exist and really giving them an understanding as to why we're saying this lady might need a little bit more time, but it doesn't mean she doesn't do anything. She can train hard still. It just means that we might need to just alter what she's doing. So as we get her back to a sport really, really beautifully and effectively. Yeah, I get what you're saying, you know, to make it equivalent to an injury and being able to recuperate and rehabilitate in order to get back into fitness. Going from a personal perspective here, and I read your guidelines thoroughly and then disappointingly realised <laughs> that I did none of those oh it's really bad I just feel like a terrible mother and runner no. I'm not even a runner so I, I was out walking on the day I had my second child because I had her at home and then went running the next day so that was on day two and then you said something about not having them in the buggy and running I did all that anyway <laughs> let's let's draw a line under that is it then too late I mean you've talked about the entire spectrum of a woman's life so if somebody like me has done something and they're getting leakage, for instance, so I'm really talking about myself, is it too late then 
to do something about it later on in life never too late and that's the exciting thing about pelvic health the way we manage pelvic health with pelvic health physio is generally for the majority of women really really effective so long as we can get a woman on board with what we're saying and let's be honest some of our exercises aren't necessarily the most exciting um but if we can get women on board to do what what we advise the results are really good and it's never too late of course it's going to take longer if you've been leaking urine for 15 years it's going to take longer to rehab you than someone that's been leaking for 15 weeks but we know that women who leak urine during and after pregnancy unfortunately the chances are their symptoms are going to get worse as we get older and all our hormones change so no it's never too late and I would highly recommend any woman who has any symptoms seeing a pelvic health physio it's it's just so worth it and I can assure you that we aren't out to stop you exercising we know how important exercise is we might need to adapt your exercise so as a runner we might need to say okay well let's just go for high fast walking incline walking for a while or cross trainer or spinning there's so much we can do it doesn't just have to be high impact and then gradually we'll build you back we'll load you back to the running but throughout we should be keeping you exercising because it's so beneficial for your mental and your physical health so how do you get hold of a specialist in pelvic health physiotherapy That is the golden question. There aren't probably enough of us, if I'm honest. You should be able to go to your GP and ask to be referred to a pelvic health physiotherapist via the NHS. We exist throughout the country. You can go onto the POGP website if the doctor's not sure as to where your local pelvic health physio is, and you'll find us all within the directory, or there's also a directory called the Squeezy directory as well. If you're in a really lucky position to be able to see us privately then there's a quite a few of us privately I'm, I'm no longer in the NHS but there's a lot of us privately so you could self-fund or use your insurance for a lot of us so there's ways and means and I'd love to say that women don't have a fight on their hands sometimes to see us but sometimes you do have to have the gumption to say well actually no it's not okay that I'm leaking when I'm jumping on the trampoline and I'd like some help with that and we are there to do just that so you can see us free or you can pay to see us. Well, I use that NHS Squeezy app. Is that any good? I'm just doing the standard exercise, which is 10 longer squeezes, 10 shorter squeezes. Is that the way to go? Good start. It's a really good start. So let's just say you can't get to see a pelvic health physio or unfortunately the waiting lists are very long. What I would recommend is start by downloading the Squeezy app and start doing your pelvic floor exercises based on that. However, if you've been doing that, hand on heart for about six to eight weeks every day and you're just not seeing an improvement in your symptoms it could just be that you're not doing your pelvic floor exercises correctly and the problem with pelvic floor exercises is you can't actually watch someone do them it's not a muscle you can see so therefore it's quite a hard muscle to engage with so sometimes you do need that individualized approach and the research shows that an individualized approach is more likely to help you recover from your symptoms quicker so if you aren't seeing a you know an improvement in your symptoms then then you may just need a little bit more guidance and help with your technique the squeezy app's brilliant but it's set at a high range 10 second holds 10 times and 10 fast reps well that's something i would give a woman at the higher end of rehab and so it might just be too hard for your pelvic floor as well and you've got to think of your pelvic floor muscle like any other muscle 
So every muscle needs loading progressively and gradually to adapt. And so it just might be that it's too difficult and therefore that individualized approach will help. But I love the Squeezy app. I think it's brilliant and I get most of my patients to download it. So it's a great start. And for some women, you may never need to see someone like me because the Squeezy app has been enough to help you. I feel as though we've been talking more personally here. So I feel as though I need to get <laughs> no. it back to, to some kind of research. <laughs> So, you know, you said the running guidelines were based on anecdotal evidence, physiotherapist ideas, but also some research. Mm. When you did look at the research, was there any particularly strong bit of research evidence that uh, (laughs) you're saying no, strong bit of evidence that could be used that you base those guidelines on? Well, we know there's some really strong evidence for pelvic floor exercises that they are really effective in helping, particularly the symptom of urinary incontinence. It's level A evidence that we've got there for pelvic floor work. So why on earth we're not getting more and more women doing them is, is a little beyond me. Oh, like everything around female athletes, there just isn't enough evidence out there. I think it's improving, as I'm sure you'll agree, more and more people are developing an interest in female health. And there's more research that's been carried out by the likes of Gronia and myself and Izzy Moore about how running impacts a woman's pelvic health and her return to her exercise. We definitely need better practice guidance for return to sport postpartum. And I believe in Australia, there's a group of amazing researchers who are starting that ball rolling, which is really exciting. And we are seeing some really strong evidence now coming up around exercise during pregnancy and the benefits of that. So we've got the Canadian guidelines, we've got the Australian guidelines, which were released this year. So we're seeing chunks of evidence there um, and we just need to put it all together, but make sure that we're relating it to all the sports that women do as well. So I'd say the strongest bit of evidence out there is that pelvic floor exercises work in terms of return to sports. Um, but it would be nice to have more and more evidence. And, and as I say, it's happening. We're, we're part of a group of researchers who are looking into return to sport as well, uh, certainly running. But this stuff is yet to be published. So um, probably next year we'll, we'll be hearing more on that. But as always, more evidence and research is needed. Well, that's kind of good to hear because it seems that there are lots of gaps in the research that could be filled. Could I just mention all the other things that you've done? So you've got your book, which is called Why Did No One Tell Me How to Protect, Heal and Nurture Your Body Through Motherhood. You also have a podcast of your own and you also have this athletic female course. Well, I don't know how you fit them all in, but from an outside perspective, it seems that all of these have made quite an impact. And as researchers in academia, we need to show impact. How have you managed to create that impact? Um, I think it's just from working collaboratively, to be honest. You know, I haven't done this on my own. I wrote the book on my own, but I still had Gronya, who I think you may speak to soon, um, she's phenomenal. Um, and lots of my other pelvic health colleagues looking at the book and making sure that what I was saying was evidence based. I think the other thing is getting the evidence out there. You, you know how long it can take research to get to the world of uh, the clinical world. Um, I, I believe it's about 15 years. And 
one of the things that Gronya and I are really passionate about is getting that information out to the clinicians, to fitness professionals, to coaches sooner than that, because what's the point of having it if we're not getting it out there? So we've been really lucky that we've had so many academics really keen to work with us um, so that we can better disseminate the information. I think social, social media is really helpful as well. We both use social media a lot to disseminate the wonderful work that you guys are all doing. Um, and I know you guys are doing more and more of that now as well but I just think it's about collaboration not working in silos because that's been happening for way too long and ultimately if we all work together we do get the information out there we really do and you know there's a really strong group of women and men working together now to get this information out there the conferences are really exciting around female health so it's all really exciting stuff but we can't do it on our own and we shouldn't shouldn't be doing it on our own so, so yeah, I think I've just got very lucky in, in the fact that people are receptive to what we want to do. And the podcast, like your podcast, is just a really nice way of getting the information, in our case, about pelvic health to not just clinicians and coaches, but to women as well, because women want to hear this information and they're really good at, you know, they're empowered. They want to treat what they're suffering from or prevent what they might suffer from. Um, and so it's just an exciting time to be in this space, really. Love it. I think that's some really good advice. It's reaching out as an academic mm. to a practitioner, perhaps, and yeah. getting that collaborative approach so that you can make a difference and you can make an impact. And so what's next for you? Have you got any future projects on the horizon? Anything that you're doing specifically within research? Hmm, yeah, so uh, as I said, Gronio and I are part of a team that's putting a Delphi study together, looking a little bit more into return to running guidance, just to really make our guidelines much more robust, if you like. We are continuing to expand on the athletic female, so we're now just creating the perinatal module. We've done one module on the athletic female for women who haven't yet had babies. Um, this one's about babies, and then we'll do another one on menopause. And I'm working a lot more with footballers. I'm working with a well-known football team um, and educating them around pelvic health. And they're really receptive to it, which is really exciting. Um, and I'm also working with a rugby team as well. So chipping away, that's my passion, is to try and get pelvic health into the sporting world. And I think it's just a case of chipping away and getting more and more of us doing this and Getting, getting the team as a whole to see why we are also important within that multidisciplinary team setting. So that's my, that's my future for the, for the next few months, that's for sure. Well, that was great advice. And it's great to see all these projects that you're doing for the future. So it's been so lovely to speak to you on a personal note, <laughs> but also on more general advice on how you can make an impact, how you can get involved, how you can collaborate with others. So thanks very much. Thanks, Jackie.